This is the BSN Denver Buffs Podcast. Without play action. Fires end zone touchdown, Shea Fields. Powered by the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Burns pumps over the middle of the field, intended for Owusu, and that is picked off. Tedrick Thompson comes up with the interception. Burns looking deep left side, and that is picked off. It is Isaiah Oliver. Now, here are your hosts, Ryan Konigsberg, Jake Shapiro, and William Whelan. Welcome into the BSN Buffs podcast live from the Blake Street Tavern. Not live. Well, it's archived from the Blake Street Tavern. And, yeah, Will Whelan's back on the show, so sorry. Uh, but <laughs> Ali Mo- Monroy also in the house. Uh, con- she, she still doesn't have an, inter- uh, an intro. What's up, guys? So uh, we've got four people on the podcast. Ryan Koenigsberg, Jake Shapiro here as well. I don't know why I touched Ryan, but. Felt good. Because we've been getting touched a lot out here today. But you know what? Ryan, this is if, a touching if, moment for us. If your wallet needs a touching, you should have bet money on the Buffs, and you should have done it on mybookie.ld because of the fast, no-hassle payouts. Because football fans are flooding the online marketplace right now, putting big action on the football games, and then they have to wait weeks to collect their cash. There's nothing more frustrating. That's why thousands of online players are going to mybookie.ld. They offer real Las Vegas odds, incredible player props, and live in-game action. And you know what? They update their odds in real time, and that's a pretty amazing thing. And as we just told you, fast, no hassle, pass. When you win, join now, and they will match your first deposit, dollar for dollar, up to $1,000. Get an extra 10% bonus on top of that when you sign up and use promo code BSN Denver. So expert or rookie, you got to go check out mybookie.lv today. And, Ryan, what's that number up to if you would have just bet on the buffs and let it ride? Whatever $256,000 times two is. Because the buffs covered this weekend... Uh, at Stanford with their 10-5 to victory in what was perhaps the ugliest game in the history of the Pac-12 conference. Uh, guys, say something. What I mean, what, what a performance by that defense. Honestly, we, as we sat here at the Blake Street Tavern and people were just in misery over this game, especially the kicking game, I sat here and I looked at the people around me and I said, you have nothing to worry about until Stanford proves they can put the ball in the end zone. And they sh- they did get close. They got very close. But they never did it. And I- like I said, there was never anything to worry about because that defense is so damn good that Stanford was – they looked pedestrian. I mean, Christian McCaffrey was just a guy. Literally, Christian McCaffrey is whack. I'll say it right now. Oh, my God. I'll say it right now. Christian McCaffrey was simply a guy, and I said it on this here podcast last week. I'll take – Philip Lindsay and the Buffs offensive line over Christian McCaffrey and his offensive line any day of the week, and you saw why. Uh, you know, Philip Lindsay goes for what 131 yards. Still eight before he went down with his ankle injury. Right. Exactly. I mean, he could have gone for 150, whereas uh, Christian McCaffrey had somewhere around like 50. So the bu- Oh no, actually, I think he had 92. I don't know. Because he the broke a couple was, later the in the was, game. The Buffs defense has reached the level that I'm willing to say it reminds me of the Broncos' defense last season. Honestly, all the offense has to do is be competent, and they're going to win the game. And the, the one game where they really weren't competent was USC. And so everyone on that defense is now a playmaker. I mean, Josh Tupo, he's not getting nearly enough credit. Like, he, every single time he sets foot on the field, his NFL stock is rising and all the way across the board, I mean... And Isaiah Oliver's having the year we said he would have from the day now, he stepped on Now, he's really emerged as the year has gone on. The more he gets on the field, doubt. the better he looks. Akella Witherspoon, don't even bother throwing at him. Cheeto, he's, waste of time. All Tedrick, three of those corners are going to the league. Tedrick Thompson might go to the league. This is oh, re- he's going to the league. This is reaching ridiculous status. Well, here's my thing about this game is that... I mean, we can talk about the rise. We can talk about bowl eligible. But how many times in the last... I mean, seriously, in the last 10 years, have we said, God, this other team is trying to hand the game to Colorado, and they cannot get out of their own way? And it was the complete opposite. You had a Stanford team who, yeah, they've had a lot of injuries. That offensive line has been really pedestrian for a lot of the season. Quarterback play hasn't been what it could be. Sure, all that said, this is still a roster 
with a lot of individual talent. And Colorado gave them every single chance to win that game. Every single chance to win that game. And in the end, who made the plays? It was the Colorado secondary. And, and you know what? I think the offense looked fine. Yeah, the they moved the they, ball. They it couldn't really punch it in the end zone, sure. The score should have been 19-3. to three. At the least. Yeah. At the least. And, and you know, even with that, you know, you talk about having, what was it, second and goal from the three-yard line. They get sacked. Then they get a penalty. And, and the, they were really bad in the red zone. But even then, they were getting to the red zone what felt like every single possession. And ultimately what it came down to was the field goal kicking being a disaster. But we have talked about this game from the other side of the coin so many times in the last 10 years. And, Jake, I know that you wrote about that bounce that they got, and they haven't gotten that bounce. And you know what? I used to say that I I used to talk about before this season, how do we know those bounces are going to start going CU's way? Because you guys told me, they're like, well, at at a certain point, don't they have to? Don't they have if they've been going against it for 10 years? And at the time I was saying they don't. But what I but what I what I think I realize now more than anything is that the amount of bounces or chances for a bounce in a game are almost unlimited. The only times they look like a bounce though are when they go your way or against you in dramatic fashion. There were a lot of chances for those bounces to go wrong last Saturday, and a lot of them did. The right one went their way, and the Buffs capitalized on it. That's what good teams having a bad day do. That's the difference. This team on a bad day can win against good teams. Which is wild. I mean, you remember the last time they missed three field goals? That's Cal. Double overtime, they lose because they missed three field goals. The way that this team wins is anyway. It doesn't matter. They know how to win now. We talked about that for 10 years, too. When can they figure out how to win games? And now they figured it out, and it, and it almost looks like it's coming easy to them. Like I said, there was never a doubt in my mind they were winning that game. Even if Stanford does score on that drive there, in my mind I was like, the offense will go get it done after that. It, this team now has that resolve. I want to go back to two previous conversations we had off air, Ryan. Uh, one was what Will was alluding to, what I wrote in Whenever my Whenever you column. say that, it scares me. <laughs> in uh, About my, uh, my column, uh, that I wrote this morning about the Buffs never getting that bounce. The Buffs hadn't gotten a bounce all year. The, truly, the bounces had gone against the Buffs. And really, special teams had already cost them a game in Michigan. And I said that special teams would cost them again. And you were looking at me the entire game. It's like, oh, I know Shaft's going to give me that. I told you special teams are going to cost them the game. And you know what? Special teams, this was the game that they were going to cost. This was the game that special teams was going to blow it and Colorado was going to lose on the road because of the special teams and it didn't happen and that's the sign of a good football team that literally everything that could possibly go wrong with one facet of your game goes wrong and you still find a way to win the football game it's funny because when we were having that conversation in your apartment and you said special teams is going to cost this team a game I just kept saying nah because like I just they just find ways to win and so they've the, the special teams hasn't been good in any game and they continue to win, and maybe they will. You know, this the special teams is struggling mightily, and maybe they will lose a game because of it. It wouldn't shock me. But you, how many times has Utah come down to a special teams play? But even the but reason again, I said to Shap though, meh, when he told me they're going to lose a game is because of exactly what we saw the other night. The special teams should for error. The, the special teams should have cost them that game. I'm so glad you just said margin of error because. I talked about, and, and I hate to bring up hoops in the middle of a football discussion, but last year, a lot, a lot of leads that were lost by that team. I always looked at it as, well, their margin for error was so small that there was bound to be a regression to the mean because of how they built those leads. Oftentimes, they didn't build leads by grinding teams down. They built leads by kind of Making circumstance. Shots. like And margin of error is the biggest thing that I always look at team by team. How big is your margin of error? Because that'll tell me what I need to know about you. If you lose all year long and your margin of error is huge, that tells me that your coaching sucks and, and all this other stuff. If your margin of error is small and you lose, that's different. This team is winning with a margin of error that we haven't seen since 2007. 
like at at earliest. And even that team, I think their margin of error might have been smaller than this group. They literally would have beaten a top 10 team on the road had it not been for three terrible punts. Well, and and the injury to their quarterback, but they were still because even still with that, is what does Cepho do coming out the of the punts, half? They probably would have blown them out. And what is what does Cepho do coming out of the half? He throws a bomb, a dime, and that's the thing is that special teams. We talked about it preseason, and and when you say when you say to somebody, special teams are one third of the game. You, we say that because you have defense, offense, special teams. But most people don't actually view it that way because the amount of plays that are done with special teams over the course of a game, over the course of a season. But the, the kind of bustable factor of those plays, you run a two-yard run up the gut, like one of three things is going to happen, and usually it's you, re- you make two yards. You're not going to break a 50-yarder most times. You're not going to lose 10 yards most times. Special teams are so often boom or bust, and they change a game so easily that it's it's concerning, yes. But even with that said, that speaks to this team. And more specifically, as you said, Ryan, it speaks to this damn defense and how fast they are, how confident they are, and how when they take the field, there is not a bone in their body that's thinking, oh, my God, what if they make a big play? It's, no, I'm about to lay somebody out. I'm getting to the quarterback. I'm deflecting and defending or intercepting this pass. Every time they take the field, you see how much confidence this group has. It's because they've been coached well, because they have the physical talent, and now they have all that. They're not thinking about plays. They're just making them off of instinct, and you see why these kids were recruited, because they had that instinct in them. They just needed to get to this point. And it's fascinating to watch. And they've reached that point as a defense where it's, I just have to do my job. Yes. You know, Cheeto isn't trying to compensate for the guy on the other side who, who might not be doing his job. Josh Tubo isn't trying to compensate for the other guy. Everyone up there is just saying, all right, I know what to do. I've been coached on this for four years or three years or two years, whatever it is. All I have to do is my job, and, and everyone else is going to do their job. And that is how greatness uh, for a defense happens absolutely because this more team so ha- than an offense exactly so and, an and, offense. and i've talked to these guys on and off the records and that's what they've said is the reason for their defense being so much better not only is, are they more comfortable in, under jim levitt in his second year but they all trust one another and they know next man up no matter who's going to be in there they're trusting that guy to be able to make plays and fill their role and speaking of trust you mentioned sefo luvau briefly but the way that that offense feels about him, the trust that they have in him, when he steps on that field with them, every person feels fine. Every person says, he's got us. And, and so I, this is just a reminder that you're never allowed to at me on Twitter if you ever said it, if you ever slandered Sefo Lufa. I will say this. Sefo had one of his worst games on Saturday. Exactly. The, the worst game of this year, definitely. One of the worst. He was off he from wasn't the sharp. start. From the start. And you know what? When you have a quarterback who's not on, but they can step in the huddle. You know, Joe, we've all heard the story of Joe Montana stepping into the huddle on a final drive for the Niners. He looks into the stands, and he asks about some somebody in the stands. Is that so-and-so? And everybody just looks at him, and he's like, how is this guy this collected in this moment? Sefo has seen everything because he's seen the, as bad as it can get. And I don't care how many throws he misses. And I'm probably harder on Sefo than a lot of people. I don't care how many throws he misses. At the end of the day, that's your three-year captain. That's your senior quarterback stepping into a huddle. And that is the moment where you look to someone like that, maybe more than someone like Philip Lindsay, and you see how calm he is. You see how collected and ready he is. And whether you're O-line, receiver, tight end, running back, you are locked in, and that's where the trust comes in. I've talked to a lot of people in the Rockies organization about this thing uh, where they replaced a very talented player in Corey Dickerson with a reliable veteran in Gerardo Parra this year, and a lot of people Mm. weren't happy with that decision. But talking to people within the Rockies organization, they told me that because they knew what they could get out of Gerardo Parra every night, they knew his leadership, they knew what he gives them in the clubhouse, 
he was just as valuable as Corey Dickerson would be if he hit 40 home runs. This is what the players are telling me. And sure, I understand that, you know, the statistics are valuable and very important at the end of the day. But going off of what that means to the Buffaloes, Steven Montez might be a more talented quarterback than Seth Lufau. He, he probably is. You know what? But Sefo Lufau continues to be the right quarterback for the Buffs, even if he has a day like he did at Stanford. He still is the leader of the team. He still calms the offense. He still lets Philip Lindsay make do what Philip Lindsay does best. And I don't think Philip Lindsay is what Philip Lindsay is when he's playing with Steven Montez. It's a different player, in my opinion. Uh, there's there's something to be said there, and also it's Sefo gives that team confidence. It's like. Just the same thing I said. When Stanford is about to score and take a go- and take a lead or tie that game, everyone on that sideline thought, "All right, Sevo's going to lead us down and score a touchdown." And that is, just, it's invaluable. You can't put a price on that. Yep. And you know what? You can't put a price on the specials out at Colorado Keg House. They have the well. well you can. They're just really good. Well, good specials. Yeah, they're good specials. And they've got. Well, you can put a number on their TVs. They've got thirty big screen TVs. Uh, perfect place to watch college football on a Saturday. In fact, if the Buffs aren't playing, the Buffs aren't playing, not if the Buffs aren't playing, the Buffs the are not The next two playing. Saturdays they're not playing. This Saturday they're not playing next Saturday. I might go out there watch that Washington game or the USC game. Uh, Washington, Utah, USC's got a big matchup as well. Those are very important matchups for the Buffs, and they are the home for Colorado Craft Beer, so not really a better place to check out the action than there. Nitros, Al's, did I say that right this time? No. IPAs, Stouts, all of that good stuff. Check them out off of 36 uh, right next to the Broomfield Event Center and we'll be right back in the BS and Buffs podcast. Fossil Trace Golf Club is a destination for golfers across the country. Tucked into the foothills of Golden, Colorado, Fossil Trace is one of the most unique courses in America. Hole 12 was named one of the most fun 18 holes in America by Golf Digest. Fossil Trace is 5280's best golf course and it's less than 20 minutes from downtown Denver. Go to Fossil Trace to escape the ordinary and discover the extraordinary with prehistoric and modern. Schedule your tea time up to 60 days in advance at FossilTrace.com. Preferred Organic Therapy is one of Denver's original dispensaries. They've carried a fine list of award-winning strains since 2009, and they now carry Colorado's largest selection of edibles. You'll find other things like Apothecana oils and creams, Marcaha oral tinctures, and Charlotte's Web CBD. Nobody gives you the variety that Preferred Organic Therapy does. We're conveniently located off of I-25 and Colorado Boulevard. Preferred Organic Therapy, a better way to heal. Welcome back to the BSN Buffs podcast, and it's that time of year again, and we have a new opportunity for you to make some serious cash, that is, while watching football. The site is called MyBookie.LV, and thousands of experts and rookies are playing and winning big there. They offer real Las Vegas odds, amazing player props, and live in-game action with odds updated in real time. But the best part about MyBookie.LV, Allie? Is the no hassle. Fast no hassle payouts. Fast no hassle. Oh, sorry. At least when you win. (laughs) Join now, and they'll match your first deposit dollar for dollar up to $1,000 and get an extra 10% on top of that when you sign up today using promo code BSN Denver to activate the offer. That's promo code BSN Denver. Expert or rookie, you got to go check out mybookie.lv today. I just hope our listeners pay more attention when you talk than Allie does. Why? Because then they'll hear the ad and know how to do it. <laughs> oh, well, okay. Uh, anyways, speaking of paying attention, the Buffs need to pay attention during the bye week to keep their stout play, their good play up and. We asked the question on uh, the on the Twitter, the Twitter, on the Twitter, <laughs> uh, Colorado Safe Outlook question of the week. What does Colorado need to improve most during the bye week? Were and there any answers that weren't special teams? Yeah, J Rod actually just came in playoff position. Uh, so let's go. Let's see. I'm reading through the rest of these. Uh, honestly, not much other than field goals. Get rest, stay in rhythm, stay on the gas pedal all the way to the Rose Bowl. See you, swag on him. Said. Uh, but almost everyone uh, says bowl, or, or special teams play, aside from Goose and Ben Burrows, who, of course, uh, made this a joke about the basketball team, uh, who are very excited for the, the Is It November crowd got it very, very small this year. Yeah, and I think I it's basically Ben Burrows and James Lucas. My uh, freeball and podcast draft pick, which was uh, Is It November unit, or Is It November movement happens before week four. I took an L on that one. Big time. You took a win on the, the Arizona State thing today, though. I did. No, I actually didn't. That wasn't mine. 
Like, I didn't possess that one. I just came up with the idea for it. Gotcha. Uh, but looking at the standings and where Colorado is, their hopes are Pac-12 championship game. And, you know, what we once laughed at now is a very serious threat. And looking at the rest of the season, I really don't see an L on the, re on the schedule for the Buffs. They're favored to win every single game the rest of the way, even at Arizona, perhaps. So you have to seriously think that Colorado could go and might go to the Pac-12 championship game, if not should go at this point. And uh, what should fans be expecting? Is is it Pac-12 championship game or bust with this season? Have we reached that point? If you think that, your your stuff's out all out of whack. And I have to admit, I got very frustrated on Saturday watching Buffs fans go from charming and happy to so entitled. Literally, they win five games and all of a sudden fans cocky. are now like saying terrible things about the players when they screw up and just... It makes me it makes me a little upset. So no, it's not bull or bust. This season, in my in my opinion, is already a success. I, no matter what, no matter what, this season's already a success. Um, so it's not Pac-12 championship game or bust. But you're certainly in your right to get excited about that, to start hoping for that, and maybe even set the bar that there for where this team could be. Look. They are going to be favored in every game from here on out, likely. And as we've seen, they can beat anyone in the country. They, can, they almost beat the number two team in the country on the road. So there's absolutely no reason they can't go ahead and make it there. Um, but to say that that, that you know, is, should be the expectation is a little out of whack. I think fans need to see the perspective here, which is why I tweeted after the game, like, you have to soak this up. Because there will never, ever, ever, maybe in the history of Colorado football, ever be a season like this ever again. But are they allowed to be disappointed if they don't get to a Pac-12 championship game? Yeah, as long as you're not getting crazy about it. Okay. So let's think about the games that Colorado has left, right? Let's think about UCLA, Arizona. We're talking about Washington State, and we're talking about Utah. Of those games... Which are you sitting here saying right now Colorado should lose? None. None. So, I mean, because, like, should and will are different things, obviously. None of those games Colorado should lose. The toughest game, in my opinion, is still I would go Washington State I agree at home. You. Yep. Not because – more so because I think Utah's running attack is, is an interesting matchup with CU – but I still think last game of the year, senior night at home, that's a game that it should theoretically on paper maybe give you more of an advantage against going as opposed to going to a guy like Folk at Washington State. But even that, we're looking at four games that we're saying Colorado should be able to win all of them. As we sit here right now, I'm picking Utah to lose against Washington this weekend. That game's on Saturday at 1.30 p.m. Mountain Time on Fox Sports 1, and, and that's going to be a game every Buff fan should be watching because if it's Washington... The implications. Right, if Washington wins and Colorado gets into uh, to the Pac-12 championship game, Colorado needs to beat Washington and they go to the Rose Bowl. If Utah wins this game, uh, it really hurts Colorado. Uh, I don't want to say it really hurts Colorado because Colorado can still beat Utah and, and then it's void, but... It hurts Colorado in the sense that if they go to the Pac-12 championship game, their hopes of going to the college football playoff or the Rose Bowl are okay, severely uh, okay. diminished. And, yeah, pump the brakes on that, but that's something that the conference should consider because Washington's right. the best bet the conference has at going to the college football playoff. I agree. Playoff. Here's, my, here's my approach. Given what I said, given the fact that there are four games left that we're saying Colorado should be able to win each and every one of them, do I think they'll go 4-0? I personally don't but they should be in a position to win all four of those. I don't think it's a disappointment in terms of the season if they don't go to the playoff, but I think, A, I think the players are going to be super disappointed, and B, I think it's time to think about the fact that if you've got the, if you've got the opportunity in front of you, you might as well go grab it, and if you don't, this season, for however great it's been, imagine – what would happen? Imagine what it would be like if they did do that. There's a there is fair disappointment in that sentiment. I truly believe that. 
Ali, in your opinion, where are your expectations for the rest of the season for the Buffs, and what do you see as a goal achievable, and what do you see as a disappointment? Um, well, I think I think the Buffs have made CU great again, and I think that was their their that was their goal. And of course, it's a Pac-12 championship. Of course, it's winning a bowl game, but. That's what they came out. They wanted to make CU great again, and this team has really done that. The defense has just become phenomenal, like you guys were saying, and the offense is up there. And I think it shouldn't be, and like it shouldn't be a bust if they don't go to a Pac-12 tournament, like you guys were saying, or Pac-12 championship. But it is expected, and fans will get to that point where they are cocky. They are going to be disappointed, but and so will the players. But I think they shouldn't be because they have done something to this program and help this program in a way that was so necessary for so many years now for loyal Buff fans that have been through it all. And so I think it shouldn't be a bust if they don't make it to the Pac-12 championships, but it's definitely expected. I think they should win all four games. I Like Will said, I don't think they will, but I think it is a high expectation to be up there. It's okay to have high expectations, and even if you, you know, maybe predicted them to win four games coming into the season, you can still raise your expectations now. But just check yourself. Like that's all. That's all I'm saying is like check yourself. Like remember where this team came from because you can't look at this season in a vacuum and be like they're six and two and they have to win every game because they're going to be favored. Like just have some perspective on where they've where they have come from. If they don't make it to the Pac-12 championship game, which is like. It's weird for me to even say that <laughs> sentence because it shouldn't even be a possibility in all reality. But it is. And if they don't make it there, just like look at this se- look back on this season. You have to look on it uh, with a smile on your face. So yeah, it's okay to, to have high expectations, but just check yourself. Looking at the particulars, uh, aside from Colorado winning the rest of the games, because if they win the rest of the games, no matter what, they are in the Pac-12 championship and that's a huge thing I asked Mike McIntyre about it today on Wednesday about what the Buffs needed to do uh will they be scoreboard watching this weekend because there are two such big games uh USC is playing on uh Thursday night tonight against Cal uh in LA and then that Washington Utah game uh will the Buffs be scoreboard watching and he said no which I find very interesting because uh I was kind of running it through my head and obviously people are very concerned about Utah but if Colorado loses one more game, as long as it's not till Utah, uh, to Utah, the Buffs can beat Utah and get the tiebreaker in that game and go in and uh, steal basically uh, Pac-12 championship berth from Utah. So in my opinion, the biggest thing for Colorado at this point besides taking care of this is hoping that USC drops a game because USC holds that tiebreaker over Colorado. And you look at USC and on uh, November 15th, they're going to, or November 12th, I'm sorry, they face Washington at Washington. And in Elf. games of terms of importance for Colorado, USC at Washington might be number one outside of every game that's on Colorado's schedule. They're taking an L there. I mean, uh, of course they have the talent to go up there and get a win, but they won't. Uh, other L's are UCLA against Colorado. Like I know we're not getting to that yet, but I just want to say this right now because it's fresh on my mind. Colorado is going to curb stomp UCLA. Curve or curb? Curb stomp. <laughs> what if Rosen makes it back? You still hold the it same It doesn't prediction? matter. I don't think so. They're way better than UCLA. Like, Uh-oh. way better. That could be my Halloween costume. I could be Josh Rosen. Do you think anyone will get the reference? Are you going to walk around <laughs> with a hot tub? <laughs> yeah. That'd be dope. I think, I mean, this is, I didn't even predict a blowout against ASU. I thought that was a game that, Everything looked good for the Buffs, and I thought they would win handily. I didn't necessarily – I mean, I called for a 17-point win. I talked you into it, like, 30 minutes before yeah. the game. <laughs> I, I think I, I I predicted, like, a 17-point win, but I didn't think it was going to be that dominant. UCLA is the first game where I am fully on board against a team, quote-unquote, like that, that I'm ready to see. I think CU is going to curb stomp them. It, it, it may not even original show. take there. Original take there. Yeah, it, but in a way like this, but in a way like this, like I don't know that it'll be reflected on the scoreboard. I still think they'll win a couple Phillip scores Lindsay away. Philip Lindsay could run for one million yards. This is the thing though. UCLA doesn't run the ball, and they can't pass the ball right now. 
I think that'll be one of those kind of maybe 27 to 6 games that felt like 77 to 6 in the way that they dominated. And Folsom Field is going to be I, I want I want to really say I think Folsom Field is going to be out of control because the numbers may not be super high because it's a Thursday night at times be high. Though, at times those numbers can be difficult to reach on those nights but the attitude in that stadium is going to be you think you think parts of that ASU game were wild and I'm looking at Ryan basically saying you think I might have lost my mind at some points. <laughs> I'm just As trying to fully prepare you for what Thursday of next week is going to look like. I, I'm with both of you guys. I think Colorado's going to score a lot more points than uh, UCLA. Oh, my God. <laughs> what? Did you not hear the fun? Nope. I said Mora instead of Mora. Oh, that's really bad. Thank you. That's not even original. Mora has been used so many times at this point from the day he was hired. You can't go back to that at this point. It's just a no regular more of that. old gym pun. No more of that. No more of that. So, I think I think continue. the defense is going to destroy UCLA. The Buffs defense is uh, just—it's going to be ridiculous. It's I, now everyone has my take, and I want to change mine. UCLA forty-seven <laughs> zero. It's just—it's the facts. Well, here's my question: For all the momentum that CU has right now, is a bye week good or bad for them? I mean, granted, you want to get – I'm not talking about, like, getting guys healthy. Philip Lindsay needed this time to get fully healthy. Is a bye week good or bad, or does it not matter? 100% good. Uh, 100% good. You need this. You need this to correct uh, special teams issues, which we got a lot on the Colorado Save Outlet question of the week. But you need these times in the middle of the season. It comes at a perfect time for them. They're just – they're surging. I realize it's momentum in this and momentum that. That doesn't matter anymore. I don't think it matters. They're just bit. a good football team. Yep. And momentum, they create their own momentum because they're good at football. And so none of that matters. They're still going to come out and beat UCLA by like 60 points. I'm just kidding. Like come down a little bit from that. But it's like 49. But I'm dead serious. People are going to know Philip Lindsay's name after that Thursday night game. Um, I don't know. Like Joe Williams, I'm pretty sure he retired from football last year. And then he somehow came and ran – for like 250 yards against UCLA. so One of the reasons why I think this game is it's so important that they had the bye was because I mentioned Felt Lindsay and, and getting him healthy was the main thing that I wanted yes. to see from them this bye week, referencing that question. But you know what the thing is? Thursday night against UCLA is the prelude. Or the prelude. There we go. Next, this is the coming out party for Felt Lindsay, and this is the highlight tape that CU video and the CU athletic department will be playing before next year when they prepare Philip Lindsay's Heisman campaign for his senior year in Boulder. And he will go for, here's my prediction. You want my prediction for UCLA, Philip Lindsay? 140 plus yards, three total touchdowns, plus 50, 50 plus all-purpose yards, uh, or 50 plus receiving yards. And if he gets, if and if Jewel Meese decides to do like a reverse kick return or something like that, Lindsay's gonna house it. If Lindsay gets a kick return Too against UCLA, Too he'll house it. Too conservative. Two hundred all around with three touchdowns. Too conservative. All right, let, one, let, let you live then. I'll he might go over one forty on the ground in the first half. I'm telling you, UCLA could not stop you coming out of the Buffs' backfield. Well, I mean, honestly, I can't fault them for that. I got quick feet. He's Big got man some, may not move too he got fast. Some, he's, got some wiggle, he's got some wiggle. He's got some wiggle. My, my hip game dance. is right. I've seen my Will hip dance. Ga- I, exactly. That's what I, I'm saying. I have seen Will dance. <laughs> and it's probably the greatest thing I've ever seen before. I was so shocked. Boy can move. He's got rhythm. I Boy can move. Respect. And he's dancing now. He's it's doing, gotten, it's he's gotten doing worse. hotline bling. Uh, I want to touch on one other thing. Uh, well, I want to get my opinion oh, no. on the Can you juju on that beat yet? I think he can. I've been practicing at home, no lie. <laughs> <laughs> Loki, Jake, Allie, and I practice the same thing. <laughs> Teamwork. Uh, oh. I want to bring it back one second here, uh, give my opinion on the bye week. I think it gives Colorado the perfect opportunity to reset because, sure, they, they keep saying their goals have been all along Pac-12 championship game, but there was a certain aspect of we just need to get to six with this team 
And I think now that they've gotten to six, right before the bye week, they can reset and really focus in on the idea of a Pac-12 championship game with all of their other goals and all of their other ambitions out of mind. They only have one goal now, and they can really reset and rethink about it now during this bye week. And I think it, it, it's such a good thing for them to really take a mental break and really prepare for what's next rather than what was behind them and the things that they've just been through. Now they're only going to be thinking about what's next. Yeah, they've got that six on their record, but I think they're getting ready to run through the six. You know what I'm saying? Oh, my God. A lot of woes. Oh, I agree. I think it gives the Buffs an opportunity to kind of take a step back. They've gotten a lot of hype. They got a lot of hype from the fans. Everyone's just so impressed and so excited for this football team. And I think it gives this bye week gives them a time to take a step back, refocus, just like Jake was saying, and just kind of take it one step at a time and play Colorado football like Coach Mack has been saying every single week. And I think that'll be great for them. And I think it came at a perfect time as well. We're going to take a quick time out on the BSN Buffs podcast. Uh, we'll be right back on the other side of this break. <laughs> Jackson's Hole opened in March of 1977 and quickly became the place for watching sports. Almost 40 years later, and Jackson's All-American Sports Grill is keeping the reputation alive. There's 65 and 70-inch TVs everywhere. The food is still amazing, and there's almost 30 beers on tap, including our table taps that you can control at your own booth. Come down to Jackson's All-American Sports Grill in Greenwood Village off Arapahoe and I-25, the original sports grill. By staying at the forefront of cannabis genetics, cultivation, and quality control, the clinic provides the best cannabis you'll find. And with 50 awards, they've won more than any other dispensary in Colorado. There's also a brand new clinic location right next to the Colorado Light Rail Station. And if you bring in a ticket from the game, they'll give you 15% off your entire purchase there. Seriously, check them out. Go to the new location off Colorado or go to theclinickcolorado.com. I love chain smokers. She loves the chain smokers so much she can't even put the article in front of the chain smokers. Chain smokers. He's definitely token something to be uh, blowing so much smoke up their ass. Can we start this segment? Back on the BSN Buffs <laughs> podcast, I am Jake Shapiro alongside Ali Monroy and Ryan Koningsberg. Will Whalen has left us. Uh, he has left the building he after doing right the out juju on the beat. My wife left me, uh, <laughs> except it was Will Whalen. Uh, the Clock Tower Grill, though, let me tell you about that place. The perfect place to get your pregame on, $3 Long Islands on Mondays, 75-cent wings on Wednesday, and $3 shots on Friday. So if you are looking to get your pregame on and you're south of downtown, why don't you stop off on the Lincoln Light Rail Station while you're heading downtown, maybe this weekend, and uh, stop off on the Clock Tower Grill. Tell them we sent you. Uh, but this segment, we, uh, we came up with some midseason awards because, yes, it's past the midseason point, but it feels like this is the midseason point because of the bye week. And our awards are Play of the Year, Offensive MVP, Defensive MVP, Best Moment, and... Uh, a miscellaneous award, a fifth award uh, that we all are customizing and we'll decide that uh, <laughs> we want to give it to and what we want to name it. So first off, I'll, I'll start with the play of the year for me. And it was actually plays of the year and it was Colorado's first drive of the year against Colorado State where the Buffs just came out firing, on, firing out on all cylinders and you realize what Colorado was going to do this year. And... Uh, it was really impressive in every single offensive drive Colorado's had this year that has gone uh, to be productive has started off like that with Philip Lindsay pounding the rock and it really set the tone for the rest of the year. So uh, those were a few really big plays in my opinion. All right, well, my play of the year, I guess it's an obvious pick here, but it was one of the best plays I've ever seen anyone make in a Colorado uniform. That would be Bryce Bobo's catch against Oregon uh, to essentially win that game for them. I could watch that catch every second for the rest of my life, and I would never get bored of it. Uh, that kid has made a, a ton of incredible plays this year. That's that's just the tip of the iceberg. He had another amazing catch in that uh, game that should have counted and didn't. He had one in the CSU game that was incredible. Uh, Bryce Bobo, if we did a breakout player of the year, which we probably should have done, uh, he would get that from me, too. So, Bryce Bobo, uh, play of the year for me. 
For me, the play of the year um, would be Akella Witherspoon's interception against Oregon. For me, that was a winning factor in the game. I mean, that's when it all ended. So, And it was such an amazing interception. Everyone went crazy. That was a nerve-wracking game. It was so intense. And so definitely would be my play of the year or mid-season. Definitely uh, kind of in the same vein as mine. Definitely changed the pace of the season. Yeah. Uh, Offensive MVP for me would be Philip Lindsay, 119 rushing attempts, 745 yards, averaging 6.3 yards a carry, which is absurd. Uh, his long on the year, of course, that 75-yard stamper against ASU. He's got nine TDs as well on the ground, and he also has 227 receiving yards on 22 catches with a touchdown. Honestly, these numbers are laughable because they're ridiculous. Uh, you look at what Phil Lindsay's done in the past. He had 140 carries last year for 653, averaging just 4.7 a carry. You know, I would say Bryce Bubba is also my breakout player of the year, but Phil Lindsay's right there as well. The thing is, Phil has always been this dope. Uh, he just wasn't running behind as good of an offensive line. He wasn't getting as yeah. many touches. Um, I was looking at my time hop last year, and I kept tweeting, like, give Phil the ball, let Phil lead, let Phil eat. And now he's finally getting those opportunities, and, and now he's proving that he's the best running back to come out of this state that's currently playing in college football, uh, and that is going over some players who are ranked quite a bit higher than him. One of the uh, things you say as a fact that might not actually be a fact. That's your new thing. That's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> Offensive MVP for me is Sefo Lufau, oh. and, and I know I ride the Sefo train a lot, but here's why I'm saying this mostly. I talked to a source within the program this weekend, and they came up to me, and it was a setup. It was a bit of a setup. They said, in your mind, what is the biggest reason the offense has made this improvement this year? What, what one person would you credit that to? And I knew what the setup was, so I said, okay, I'll play along. What you want me to say is Chev. They said, exactly. That's what I wanted you to say. And that's, not, that's not who it is. It's Cepho. Uh, Cepho's improvement since he went down changed this offense the way he leads changed this offense his accuracy has changed this offense and so that's for me I'm taking that from within the team um, and within the program and saying the feeling in there is that Sefo is the offensive MVP so I'm not going to be one to disagree with them well my offensive MVP was going to be Philip Lindsay but I knew someone would pick it so then I decided to choose Sefo Lufau but you also picked that so I don't know I'm not going to so you're going to go with your MV3, perhaps? No, I'm going to go with Sefa Lufau as well. I think coming off of his injury from last year, not even knowing how much he was going to play this season and just going into fall. I, he's just been – he's just had a breakout performance. And he's going into having the best season of his career. He's brought so much leadership to the team, like you guys were saying earlier. He makes everyone just feel comfortable out on the field. They feel confident when Sefo has the ball and I just definitely offensive player for me all right since you wanted Sefo, I'll change mine all right I'm gonna give mine to the offensive line uh I would be remiss if, I, if they didn't get a mention here and Looks. how about Clayton Adams you know we mentioned coach of the year is a possible one here uh which maybe would have gone to Darren Cheverini but Clayton Adams might be coach of the year on this staff well let me just look the talent hasn't changed much on this offense um, Sefo's still the quarterback. Phil is still their, their running back. Uh, the wide receivers, I mean, you have Bobo stepping up. Not that much has changed, but all of a sudden, Sefo is having time to throw. All of a sudden, Phil Lindsay has lanes to run through. Uh, we, it would not be fair to not mention the way that no, offensive definitely. line has improved and what, what Clayton Adams has done with that offensive line. Uh, it wouldn't be fair to not mention them as the offensive MVPs because those dudes – have put the work in i mean they really have they haven't changed either other than tim lanat those dudes put it in and now we're seeing the results alex kelly was a good player last year but he looks like a stud this year like uh there's an article written by uh one of our friends pat graham who writes for ap today talking about how uh he's following in the footsteps of his father and that he has potential to go in the nfl and tyler Columbus retweeted it uh, and said, yeah, I really like Alex Kelly's chances of going to the next level. And that's something you would never consider the last year. And, you know, he's a bright guy, and he means a lot to this offense. And when he was hurt earlier this season, that had a pretty big impact on the team, in my opinion, as well. Uh, he's actually not just a bright guy. He's, he's a straight-up nerd, and it's awesome. <laughs> uh, I didn't want to go as far as saying that, but because he can beat me up in probably 10 seconds. But, yes. 
Uh, defensive MVP for me, I'm going to go Tedrick Thompson. Uh, he seems to make every clutch play uh, that the defense needs to make, uh, aside from that Akella Witherspoon pick in the Oregon game. Uh, Ted is always there. He's always making big plays, always making big hits that change the pace of the game. Uh, he's a very consistent defensive player for the type of defensive player that he is. So I'm going to go Tedrick Thompson on the defensive side of the ball. All right. I'm going to go... <laughs> I really couldn't choose one. I'm going to say the whole defense. The defense, honestly. You're giving the defensive MVP to the defense. Come yes. on. I know. I know. I know. Oh, oh my, my God. God. Leave me Are alone. You, you're not going to be allowed on this podcast. Oh, this guys. Like kinda where no fence takes. What? No fence takes. Don't sit on a fence, Allie. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm. The defense, I just wasn't that. Like, like, at least give it to a position group. Like, by giving it to the whole de defense, you're giving it to Christian Shaver, which is just, like, not fair to Tedrick Thompson. I'm just saying the whole defense because I wasn't on this hype train before, and I didn't think that there was a lot of things that they had to improve on just a few weeks ago, and they she's, really have. She's basically telling you to take it or love it with that take. All, All right. I'm saying is All Will right, Whalen take it was away. on this podcast tonight. He's been on it a lot. And this is now officially the worst take in the history of the podcast. <laughs> All right. Sorry, guys. <laughs> you know? My defensive MVP is going to Josh Tupo. Uh, I really think he's not getting enough credit in there. Watch the – like, turn on a game and just watch that man go to work. I swear to God, he almost ruins every play for the offense. He makes offense to say Tupo no. No. Sorry, I was told to say more puns on the podcast. This that, week. Really I think boring. that was the worst take. Should be I agree. burned at the stake. Uh, I think that was the worst take, not mine. That, that was the worst pun for giving away awards here. Uh, <laughs> Mid-season award. <laughs> Mid-season award. Worst pun just happened just now. Josh Tupo is taking up two players. Yes, Tupo is taking up two players on every play. And the reason why teams can't run the ball against – Colorado is because Josh Tubo is an absolute monster on the inside, uh, and that man is going to the league. Uh, best moment of the season thus far. Uh, for me, it got to be the Oregon game win when Akella Witherspoon. Tie it down. Here we go. Focus it in. When Akella Witherspoon uh, grabbed that interception, uh, I don't think I've ever seen uh, the people I'm close to in terms of Buffs fans react the way that they did and understanding that things had really changed. And uh, Tables were flipped, uh, shins were damaged, and uh, actually the last bit of my scab from that just came off yesterday. And a, a lot of pride was won in that, and uh, that's definitely the best moment so far in the season for me. Ali, I'm assuming yours is the whole season. <laughs> <laughs> you are. Oh, we almost got Ali to curse no! on the podcast. Oh my god! All right. Um, she cuss in Spanish too, like really bring it I out could. of. I could. Let me. I could. I could talk the whole <laughs> segment in Spanish. Um, anyways, no, I agree with Jake. I think Oregon was a, one of the best moments. But honestly, even though it wasn't the type of win you would want, um, I think against Stanford, just being bowl game eligible for the first time since 2007, also winning six games, it just definitely was best moment for CU fans, for everyone around for the team, just knowing that they made that mark when there was so much negativity towards them there is no one not many people believed that this team could be what it is now and so for me that would be one of the best moments is that okay yeah it's good was that fine yeah that's good all right, all right yeah um <laughs> i i want to give it to the or I mean, when i when we came into this I, I was thinking the Oregon game too and most i mean honestly the the reaction here at blake street tavern it was like i said i think the week after it was a top five and maybe top one sports moment for me to watch the reaction of the fans in Blake Street Tavern. Uh, it was just such a wide range from tears, like people like broken down, on, you know, with their head in their hands, not able to even handle the emotion, all the way to people jumping on top of tables. And it was something like that is something I'll never forget. Um, but another moment for me, and I wouldn't have even known about this moment if it wasn't for Jake uh, tweeting it, was after the, Oregon, or after the Arizona State game when the fans kind of rushed the field. Not that, but... As they surround Cepho, oh, yeah. started chanting his name. Um, just talking about it right now gives me chills because that, to me, you know, we've talked about Cepho's road kind of mirroring the Buffs road. Um, a guy who uh, so many people have said so many messed up things about in the stands 
all of a sudden surrounded by those fans, uh, chanting his name, you know, getting a, a, a hero's ovation was really, really, really cool for me to see. Definitely my favorite moment. I just didn't want to double down on it because I said that last week as well. But yeah, I agree, though. That, that, that was really, really cool. Um, moving into our uh, custom award category, my fake custom award. I have a fake custom award before my actual custom award. My fake custom award was best name in the all-name team this year. Uh, John Raheem Peoples still winning. No way. That was so good. <laughs> but, like, it was great for me because that was one that was at home, so I got to announce it, and he had, like, a tackle. I'm like, oh, John Raheem Peoples in there on the tackle. Uh, anyways, best off-the-field moment uh, is my actual award, and it's going to go to all the times I've been absolutely roasted by the CU Buffs. That's pretty good. I agree. Uh, Mike McIntyre literally shutting down my questions at the press conference with just straight no. <laughs> Uh, or <laughs> Shea Fields today going. Uh, I, what was I, the one? Because it wasn't a bad question. What was the one you had? Oh, was it does it matter if you're ranked or what was the question that he just. Was it the Pac-12 uh, being on the Pac-12 channel? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah does yeah. he care about being on Pac-12 Network or ESPN? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he just goes, no. Like, I've never thought about that. And, like, kind of laughed at you in, like, a really condescending <laughs> And, like, other way. media members And the rest of the press is kind like, of like, mm. No. Uh, that was good. Shea Fields today uh, was not a fan of my Instagram caption. Uh, in, uh, it was a pun on Blake, uh, Blackout Boys. We turned it into Blakeout Boys. Uh, we tweeted it. Ryan tweeted it. Not and, many uh, people were a lot a of fan we of that. being said there when it was really all just me. I showed it to uh, Shea Fields, and uh, don't be surprised if Blackout Boys has a new nickname and a hand symbol, according <laughs> to Shea Fields. Uh, another time Honestly, was. Honestly, that's really God's work that we did because one, Blackout Boys is a terrible nickname. And two, that hand symbol is also terrible. So he, you're welcome, everybody. He actually walked away. He was just like, no, I, I can't. He was like, oh, my God. He left me. <laughs> uh, and then the other time is uh, an undisclosed player. Uh, I was talking to him off the record, and I, I came up with a take. You mean, uh, you mean not for attribution because now, now that you're saying it, it's no longer off the record. But you're just not attributing I'm it. I'm just attributing it, yes. Uh, not okay. attributing it. Uh, I right, basically Ryan. came up with a take, and I was like, I'm curious about this thing. I wonder how like, this how this thing works is this how this thing works he what? just said no and laughed at me and uh that's that, really bad podcasting really right there confusing. all i'm saying is i've been roasted many times on my first year as the beat writer uh learning the ways of how to interact with the players and coaches and uh i laugh at myself too so i'm, I'm okay with it but it's, it's been it's been a trip I'm guessing Allie's award is award show of the year, and she's giving it to this oh award show. Oh, my God. You guys, and you're not even going to like my next one. I apologize. I'm I'm a little out of it today, so <laughs> you're not going to like No one's probably going to like my next one, but my award is best McIntyre family moment. All right. <laughs> we all, Everyone loves the McIntyre family. They're like the Brady Bunch of Colorado. And They're like first family of Boulder right now. Yes. <laughs> All right, so is that okay? That's okay, I, yes. I get a little bit of You don't approval. need to apologize. All right. Um, it would be Jay McIntyre telling everyone at the press conference that you do not want to be sitting next to his sister during a game that the Buffs are losing because she's probably throwing up, which is just, I oh, my God. Everyone, I don't know, at least the girls in the room were just like, oh, my God, if my brother would have said own, that. On blast like if that. my Jenny. little brother or my older brother would have said that in front of, like, I would have been so mad at him. Seriously, poor Jenny from the block. But honestly, <laughs> I, like, think about that and just let's turn that from being funny to how crazy, like, think about what that family's been through. Definitely. Uh, in the years leading up to this season. Like, it's not easy to be the family of a coach who's getting slaughtered. Yeah. Uh, game in and game out. So they've been through a lot, and uh, it's pretty cool for that family especially to now see it all turn around. No doubt. Uh, I my agree award with that. is tailgate of the year, and it goes to – Really? Yes. And I, you were saying bad things about mine. Uh-huh, yes. It's going to be screwed up when you don't say your own parents' tailgate. No, uh, the tailgate of the year goes to our tailgate that we, we showed up at in Michigan. Uh, okay. I mentioned fair, it a little fair. bit. Okay, okay. I mentioned it a little bit uh, on the podcast the week after, but I swear to God, this was the most lit tailgate ever. For some background, these people just pulled up onto someone's front yard and started tailgating on it. And, like, it was, like, this Michigan fan, and he was, like, 
every once in a while he'd walk out on his porch and be like, go blue, and like yell. But like, <laughs> they put up like massive speakers and we're just blasting music. Every Buffs fan kind of just like congregated to this area. Uh, it was going off. People were just like, th- like shotgunning beers and throwing cans and Tyler Ziskin hanging a flag over the sidewalk that people were walking on and making them kiss it as they walked by. Uh, I probably will never go to a tailgate, and I definitely will never go to a tailgate on the road that went off as hard as that one. I, all I remember, because uh, I wasn't there, but all I remember from that is the Snapchats that I got from you, Tyler Murray, Tyler Ziskin, John Linus, and I was extremely jealous <laughs> because you guys were the biggest, I don't know how to say this correctly on the podcast, but <laughs> You weren't nice. You were very mean. That gives me a chance to say something I've been wanting to say on this podcast. What the Pac-12 does not know is that when CU is good, their (laughs) fans are the most insufferable people in the entire world. Ask anyone in the Big 12, when CU is good, their fans are terrible. They're sore winners. Uh, They go into these towns and try and take them over, kind of like we did with all of the Michigan bars. No one likes CU fans when they are good. So, public service announcement to the Pac-12, get ready because you're not going to like it. We had a legitimate conversation about how you were upset that the Buffs weren't going to be in a bad bowl game where they're going to be playing in like a town like Tuscaloosa or something so that the fans could just go, like, absolutely make this town's year, essentially. Yes. Honestly, that type of fanship warms my heart. Being from, (laughs) being a huge Eagles fan and Philadelphia fans are just, we're just really passionate. That's all I have to say. I mean, like a lot of people, a lot of people have heard this this story, but maybe not. I think it got to a point where CU fans were so bad that like the myth kept growing. It got to the point where Nebraska fans were saying that like CU fans pushed their grandmas downstairs oh and my stuff. God. Like it kind of just grew legs of its own and took on its own a life of its own. So, uh, from from Col- I'll speak on behalf of Colorado fans when I apologize to the Pac-12 for what's coming their way. Hashtag road buffs isn't a hashtag, it's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. <laughs> we'll be right back in the BSN Buffs podcast. Euflora is the Apple store of cannabis with three locations, the biggest selection in the state, and a tech-driven shopping experience. Euflora is the only dispensary you need. Euflora has over 75 types of edibles, tinctures, topicals, and drinks, and they have over 20 strains of flour at all times. To see everything Euflora has to offer, go to EufloraColorado.com. That's EufloraColorado.com. When is the last time you went to the Rock Restaurant and Bar on Smoky Hill Road? With 69-cent wings on Mondays, trivia on Tuesdays, and $2 domestics during happy hour and weekends, the Rock Restaurant and Bar is the only choice when I'm in South Aurora. They're open 9 a.m. to 2 a.m. every day, making them a great place for a big breakfast, tasty lunch, or a nice dinner. The Rock is off of Smoky Hill Road, just a few blocks west of E-470. Find them online at therockrest.com. That's therockrest.com. Life Flower Dispensary on Leedsdale serves medical and recreational until midnight. We are a one-stop shop and have something for everyone. Whether you're a smoker or prefer to use topical treatments for severe pain, we carry a huge variety of edibles, infused sodas, concentrates, flour, and we even carry glass too. Check out our menu at weedmaps.com for specific strains and price details. Life Flower Dispensary. Open 8 a.m. to 12 a.m. Monday through Sunday. Mention BSN Denver and get 15% off your entire purchase. Coming back on the BSN Buffs podcast, one final time, we're going to play a little game. I am going to give Ryan and Jake a basic storyline, and they are going to give me their best headline. They always talk about how they have the best headlines at BSN Denver, and so we're going to see if that's true, and you guys get to decide as well. Um... So the first basic storyline that I'm going to give them is CU beats UCLA 35-7. to Philip Lindsay runs for 200 yards. Jake? Phil Lindsay and the Buffs ruin Bruins D. Ruin Bruins D. All right, I went pretty simple, short here. Uh, Bruins overfilled in Boulder. That's a good one, too. <laughs> oh, um... I, uh... You don't need to be the judge. We can yeah. throw it out on Twitter. How about you just choose who won at the very end? All right, overall. all right, all right. 
Kanye West tweets, shout out to the Colorado Buffalo Blackout Boys, hashtag the rise. Uh, Ryan. Gold Twitter. Kanye West gets down with the buffs. That's good. I have three, but I'm going to pick my best one first. Okay. Kanye wonders, who going to stop CU's Blackout Boys? Uh, I also have... Kanye stretches his hands in appreciation of Colorado's blackout boys. Why, you get, why do you get more than one? That <laughs> and uh, I made that bitch famous. Kanye shouts out blackout Ooh. boys. See, that one was the only good one. But why do you get three? I don't know. I just I made them, so why not say them? You because took very changes, long. That changes the... Well, that's what happens when you take longer than Jake. Changes the judge's eyes, all I'm saying. I don't know. All right. Cubs win the World Series in game seven. Dexter Fowler hits a ho- walk off home run. So I imagine this as being the front page of a newspaper. This uh-huh. is uh, with the big picture of the Cubs, you know, Dexter Fowler coming across home plate. Headline, their time has come. Oh. <laughs> I think mine's a little better. Uh, same situation, like, it's like a picture of Dexter Fowler, like, kind of like releasing a lot of emotion. And the headline is, Cub and Tug, Fowler's Blast gives Chicago happy ending. <laughs> no. No. Mine would go on someone's wall. Yours would not. <laughs> no. I would put that on my wall. <laughs> okay, right. I'm not even a Cubs fan, and I'd put that on my wall. <laughs> it's true. Idiot. All right. Next one. Ralphie gets away from handlers during Pac-12 championship game. No one gets injured, but fan- Buff fans go crazy. Uh, Ryan. I, I said Buffaloose, Colorado's mascot, runs wild in Santa Clara. Oh, I like that one. Wild Buffalo, Ralphie escapes CU handlers. Oof. All right. <laughs> that oh. was savage as hell. <laughs> it just goes, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. This was just really good for that one. I'll admit to that. Um, Steph Curry considers divorce from current wife Aisha Curry. That is the last one. Jake? Something cooking? Curry is considering split. Uh, I said, no more spice. Curry's untie the knot. Oh, okay. Spelled T-H-A-I. <laughs> nice. All <laughs> right. <laughs> that's, that's high brow, bro. This was a segment they really were excited about. Um, Cub and Tug. Fowler's Blast like gives Chicago happy ending. <laughs> My other one, which was worse, was Windicated, 108 years of waiting no more. But, like, I was imagining that as, like, because you have to kind of play it safe on that one. I was thinking of, like, New York Daily News. Yeah, I was going, like, what would you frame on your wall? Like Chicago Tribune or whatever yeah. they're called. Chicago Sun-Times or Tribune. I hang the Sun-Times. I like their headlines better. All right, well, fans can bring in uh, their ideas of this. Or their yeah. headlines. Or Shout their headlines. headlines, definitely. All right, well, I'm going to say it's – ah, you guys are going to get mad at me. All right, it all comes down to the last one, or else it's a tie. Are you giving us one a tie. spot? I know ah. you're giving it to <laughs> This is wild. Ah. Actually, I liked Jake's Steph Curry better than yours. Why? Because if you were to look on, like, Perez Hilton or, like, E! News, Jake's would be the headline for what that. What was it? Oh, something Something cooking. cooking. I would literally – that would be the PTI story if it was, like, it would come up like, like that's what it cooking. would be. Other than that, I – it was. I liked Ryan CU beats UCLA. I liked Jake's Kanye. I liked Jake's Cubs, and then I liked Ryan's Ralphie. I don't, so it comes down to the last one. I liked Jake's better. I am see sorry. See what the fans have to say. We'll see what the fans have to say. Not just saying that because he's my editor and makes <laughs> some bias helps me out with my headlines, but I just send them to Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> um, Anyways, that's going to wrap up the BSM Buffs podcast, but stick around one second because we have a uh, different week of content coming for you on BSM Buffs because the Buffs play on Thursday. We're going to move up the pod next week. Uh, Are we? We are. So we're going to try and get that out for Tuesday. So uh, Ryan and I are going to Oh, because it's a Thursday game. Right. right. We're going to try and get it out, uh, maybe do it over the weekend. Ryan and I are. The Buffs are also close to starting basketball season, which is on November 15th. We will have a full season preview show exclusively uh, not titled or not tied to a football show as well. So stay tuned to that. So we're going to start doing a little bit more podcasting, some maybe longer podcasts when we can't do dual. Uh, the times are going to be a little bit different here in the next 
week or two, so just stay tuned, uh, which you can always do on bsndenver.com or bsnbuff on Twitter slash Facebook. Uh, you can follow Ali Monroy on Twitter at Ali Monroy underscore 11. Ryan Koningsberg at Ryan Koningsberg. Me, There's Jason no Carroll. underscore. I just, it's such a bad Twitter handle. That okay, oh my God. wow. That's the person with the worst Twitter handle on this Chapalicious. Uh, that's where you can follow me. Uh, More like Crapalicious. Oh. Uh, and I got owned again before the end <laughs> of the show. So uh, thanks for joining us as always. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Stick around, or stick us with some apps and stuff. Unless, stick unless. You uh, said something bad about Cephalufo that you can never at Ryan Tony's first. If Ryan. you hate puns, please just let me know. There must be other people in this planet that don't like Jake and Ryan's puns. That'll do it for the BSN Buff Podcast. Thank you to the Blake Street Avenue. Good night, Boulder. Oh.